welcome to episode 8 of AU Manufacturing Conversations with Brent Bolinski. Our guests this time around are Dr. Shapali Gupta and Andy Epifani, co-founders and co-CEOs of UviPack. The cell biologist and the software engineer met last year and are commercializing a novel food waste-based solution, turning leftover pulp from fruit juice as well as grain waste into single-use plastic substitutes that are home compostable. And here's the kicker. You can eat their cups and bowls when you're done with them. Polly and Andy are currently part of the Ocean Impact Accelerator and are preparing to launch a Kickstarter this month, followed by a capital raise later in the year. Thanks for downloading this episode. If you enjoy the conversation, please subscribe, leave a review via the podcast platform of your choice, and help us spread the word. Good afternoon, Shafali and Andy, and thank you very much for joining us on AU Manufacturing Conversations. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Tell us about yourselves, please. How did you get here and what do you make? We met last year as we were coming out of our full-time jobs and were looking to do something good for the planet. I'm a scientist. I was a full-time scientist at UQ and Andy's. I was a software engineer, actually, something completely different, working for a Brisbane startup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we came together to to create a company which is good for our planet. And that's how we found it, UbiPak. At UbiPak, we are making 100% biodegradable, home compostable, and edible plastic alternatives. In fact, I would like to correct myself, edible single-time use plastic alternatives by upcycling clean organic food waste. Mm-hmm. So we are solving quite a few challenges at the same time. We are solving the problem problem of landfill by upcycling food waste. So we end up reducing emissions. On the other hand, we are replacing plastics, which again keeps emitting greenhouse gases until it goes back back to nature. Mm-hmm. And so you, you said you'd both finished full-time jobs. Do you, tell me sort of about meeting each other, your, your website mentions a search for ride partner. Can you recall the day, please, that you, you crossed paths? We met during an orientation lecture of iLab at UQ. Ah. And yeah, I was just about to attend the iLab meet just to understand what is what the entire program is about. And that's when I called Andy, okay, just come over. How about like we meet at UQ? And he was like, yeah, okay, seems to be a good event. So why not? I see. <laughs> so, so, so that's how we met, and we immediately clicked. That helps. <laughs> Over Andy looking for glasses. Yeah. <laughs> In the car. <laughs> You mentioned you're, you're a scientist and, and Andy, a software engineer and designer. This the first foray into starting a company. Andy I mentioned who was working for a startup, but, uh, you know, starting as founders of a company. Is this a new thing for you both? Well, I, I actually joined the startup when there was only three of us. So it sort of felt like being part of the funding team, if that makes sense. Yep. And um, I stayed along with that startup for I think it was six years until it was um, it was actually acquired by a very large American company around that time. They used to be a large client of ours, and then we just sort of 
merged. And yeah, so it was actually, it was a very good experience to go through and, and see how all the things work from, I guess, from an employee point of view, but it was, you know, part of the core team still. So it was, it was pretty good. And for you, Shafali, you're a full-time yes, scientist. Me, this is quite new, right? Definitely. For me, it was very new. It is very new, still very new. Yeah. And that's been an amazing experience. How's it, how's it looked to you from moving from academia into starting a company and what have you learned? Are there any things that stand out so far? Ah, well, it's a long question. I think, well, it has been an amazing experience, but I think I'll just talk about the challenge which I faced uh, when I entered in business world was to meet so many people in your daily life. And it was something like, you know, just quite annoying for me in the starting days, because when we are in research line, we are fixed to a certain number of people for years. Mm-hmm. It's like we'll be exposed to only those set of people. And in business world, it's opposite. Like you get to meet so many people every day. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, how do I remember everyone's name? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very big difference. But definitely business world is more rewarding. You work hard and kind of get rewarded for what you do. So I, I'm just loving it. Good to hear. Is there a, a scientific breakthrough behind what you're doing at UVPAC? Or is it just a smart approach using some existing and well-understood tools and techniques. Is it fermentation-based, or what's? Tell, tell me about the smarts behind what you're able to do. So it's a, it's actually a combination of things that already existed and a lot of R&D that we have done during this time and we're still doing. So on the manufacturing side, we use methodologies that are used to make plastic products. Compression molding is probably something that is well known in the industry. Mm-hmm. But on the uh, materials themselves, it is not fermentation. We essentially work with food and drink manufacturers and we collect their waste, which is clean and segregated. And then we process that in a way that we have created and that becomes a material that then we can shape into our products. And and the material side of things has been probably the core of our last sort of nine, eight months of research. And it's obviously the core of the whole company idea. So And does the, the scientist among the two founders is Shafali I imagine that the lead on that or are you both contributing different things? I think we both contribute. We both started from scratch. This project and this company and since day one it all started from my home we which we turned our turned into a lab kitchen uh, we started with making edible plastics and we got some nice results but then kind of we realized that at the early stage it's gonna need more R&D and then we were taking over this project as well and it's like so I would say it's been both of us with a lot of like you know kind of manufacturing side of thing I think Andy has been taking a lead and like material side of and giving insights about chemical composition stuff. I think I've been taking a lead, so it's been both of us. Andy mentioned segregated food waste. I was wondering if you could please tell me a little bit more about the food waste that you're currently using. Could you, you know, theoretically use a large range of waste materials? Tell me about that, please. Yeah, so uh, there are two main type of waste, which we upcycle to make our products. One comes from grain industry, so it's basically grain waste. And second one comes from juice industry, like processing juice, whatever is like leftover, yep. like the pulp part of the juice, that's where, that, that also be upcycled. Chaff and, and pulp, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to know, you're making an edible product. What does it taste like, please? Um, I'd like to know about feedback you've gotten from friends and families and, and the uh, trials that have gone on at this early stage. It tastes like wheat picks, actually. Okay. So the, the products on the website currently are just very, I want to say bland. <laughs> they just taste <laughs> like wheat picks. 
Uh, but we are, um, we actually got a lot of feedback around that and we know we can change the flavor depending on what things are used for. So we are thinking about how we can do that without sort of breaking the material. But yeah, the, the feedback from the trials that we have been doing has been very positive. In fact, there's a there's been a, a change of regulations recently in Queensland, but probably across all of Australia, where a lot of coffee cups that are lined with plastics are going to be banned very soon. Yeah. And so moving to a solution like the one we have is really exciting for cafes because it's all made locally. It's all made from produce that comes from Australia, in Australia. So it's it's a very exciting thing for cafes to support us as well. Right. And cafes have been some of the early people trialing your product. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So we, we are going to start working with them probably on a bit of a larger scale in the next few weeks, few months. I'm interested also, further than taste, what's the texture like? You mentioned wheat bix Is it similar in, in mouthfeel and the way it might, you know, be, be chewed up? Is, it, is there a similarity with wheat bix there? No, it's actually very smooth compared to wheat bix Wheat bix okay. are a bit rough, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> our products feel more like, a, yeah, I don't know how you describe it in words. Like if you're eating a spoonful of spoonful cake, of... no, but not spongy. No, okay. not, terrible. Sure. No, no, that not that. Yeah. No, I think yeah, it just tastes like with bakes, I would say. What are you doing to make sure your products aren't made from from sources that would be destined for use as food? And I mean, you're not making in huge scales at the moment, but I'm, I imagine you're thinking about the question. Your thoughts, please. So we're collecting food byproducts from companies, say like Grok Juice, and normally these waste end up ends up in landfill. So we are just trying to increase the life cycle of the raw material, which ends up in landfill by upcycling them and converting them into products we are not competing with mainstream food we are not like using juice or any other food which is used which is consumed by humans tell me about logistics please are you i mean again i know i appreciate that you're working at a small scale and at the moment and and things will look different when you are making larger volumes but tell me about the plan for for logistics are you going to collect everything from a single place or multiple places or have things sent to you so yeah so we we currently have a very small scale facility and we've been working since day one with grocers we have been collecting waste from them now for the grain waste uh, we are still looking forward to tie up we haven't been able to make that happen yet yeah sure so um yeah so on a larger scale we're, we're planning to partner probably with large food manufacturers and grain mills and all of that. Um, so we know we've done a lot of research in that space and we know that there is a lot of waste that isn't used for either humans food or animal feed and it just ends up in landfill because there is not enough of a big infrastructure in Australia to support composting for, for those things. Mm-hmm. And so we have access to a lot of resources as we scale, but we don't have the facilities right now to, to take on that much material. as you, you move into small-scale automated manufacturing, which I think you've said elsewhere is a goal for this year. So in terms of R&D, we have been selected for UQ Kickstarter grant, where companies normally tie up with UQ scientists. Mm-hmm. In our case, uh, we we have developed this partnership with Dr. Vesilis. He's a food scientist. With him, we are trying to improve our raw materials further so it can see more applications. So we are trying to increase the hydrophobicity um, of our raw materials 
so it can resist water for a longer yep. time and we can upcycle different type of waste so we don't we don't have to rely on particular type of waste so yeah that's what is what we are doing currently in parallel when you scale up will you look to do this in-house or you'll be seeking out a contract manufacturer perhaps we will be manufacturing in australia at least for next few years i don't know for how long yeah. we are currently manufacturing in queensland and we will be manufacturing in australia we'll be upcycling australian waste so yes in-house we are not looking for any contract manufacturers because the kind of technology we use is not widely used. So compression molding is something which not everyone use to do plastic molding because they use injection molding. Mm. So we'll be doing it on our own. And so I wanted to know, obviously you're in the going through a lot of accelerators type phase of the business and that, that's all very exciting and you learn a lot. I'd like to know about what you've learned and you know that the ocean impact is one you're currently going through. What are you what are you finding out about what you're doing and how you can do it better and what you hadn't thought of, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera? Yeah, so we, we started with a very small accelerator at UQ, which was awesome for us to sort of I guess, learn, learn the ABCs of this is what, what is going to be ahead of us for the next few years. Mm -hmm. But then joining something like the Ocean Impact Accelerator has been an awesome opportunity because it's not only a great accelerator because it has amazing mentors and a lot of support, but it's also global. So we are getting exposure and we get to collaborate with a lot of companies from places like Philippines, Malaysia, India, US. Finland, there's, there's lots. And so it, um, it's a really great opportunity for us to just learn from the cohort as well, which is not something that is easily done when you're just sort of working in your own company and, and within yourself. So that's probably the biggest value that, that we've been getting out of these programs for now. And I wanted to ask about capital raise plans. Maybe that's a little far in the future to be speaking of, but if not, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts on that. Are you looking to, to raise capital soon? And on a related note, does the really healthy 24 million Series A last month for, uh -huh. great, for great rap, does that make you feel optimistic? Yes, we will be looking to raise capital towards the end of the year. That is probably going to be October or November. Uh, what great rap is doing is, just like amazing they are doing such a great job in this space and definitely motivating to see a manufacturing company especially manufacturing company i would say mm. uh, doing so well in australia because we don't really have a manufacturing culture in australia and it's really good to see someone doing so well it's inspiring for sure they're they're a great story and and they deserve yeah. to do well and it looks like they are I, I like to ask guests their point of view on why it's important for for australia to have a strong manufacturing ecosystem i'd, I'd really like to get your thoughts on this as a startup manufacturer doing startup manufacturer things seeking lots of input from lots of people who can make things and who operate alongside manufacturers if not being manufacturers themselves tell me please about the manufacturing ecosystem and why we need one here in in australia yeah this is a, actually a very interesting question so we the first conversation we had around manufacturing was really negative to our surprise nobody was really interested in engaging with someone that was trying to do manufacturing in australia for mm. some reason but then as we started digging deeper in that and, and as as you said before looking at companies like great rap you just get that feeling of 
there is something missing in Australia, and that is, you know, sort of autonomy and, and independence in a way, if you want, mm. from manufacturing overseas. And especially in industries like ours, it's very important to look at making things locally because, you know, we import tons and tons and tons and tons of packaging every year. And that creates an enormous amount of emissions, right? Just from shipping from wherever it's produced <laughs> into Australia and then distributing within Australia. So if, if all of that can be reduced or even just cut completely, we would be much better off. It is really important, we think, to, to do this. And um, as Shafali was saying, it's about pushing that mentality of we can do things here mm. and we can support the local economy. And, you know, it's very exciting to be doing something mm. that isn't really <laughs> popular in a country like sure. Australia. Music to my ears. I have nothing against people who are in services, businesses or property or mining. They're all important. They all create jobs. But... Those uh, sorts of businesses generally aren't at the forefront of tackling issues like salvaging value yeah. from waste and some of the other tough problems. They're sort of the job for manufacturing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and just sort of um, giving that problem to someone else is not a way to solve that problem. Like, mm. for example, shipping all of our waste to a different country to be, mm. to be sorted or, or whatever recycled is not really a way to deal with the problem which we create, we Australian create. Yeah, I agree. Um, your waste, your responsibility, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I got put in touch with you guys because our, our friends and sponsors at Australian Made gave me your details and said you were doing some cool stuff. I'd like to know what you gain by being a licensee and how it fits in with your, your company's identity. I think we believe it's good for us because it gives us exposure in the market, in the Australian market. And since there's not a big manufacturing culture in Australia is good to see public getting really excited about Australian made products and the belief which comes with it. Like, you know, if you if you put that Australian made logo, people really believe in you. Lastly, guys, I'd like to ask if there's anything you'd like to plug or a final comment you'd like to make, perhaps. Definitely. We have a big news coming up. That is in third week of August. Uh, we will be launching a Kickstarter campaign. Ooh. So please keep an eye out and follow us on our socials. Well, I hope listeners do. I, I look forward to, to seeing the results of the Kickstarter. I think it's <laughs> something people should get behind. Farley and, and Andy, that's all we have time for. Uh, thank you for, for sharing some of your afternoon with us. It was a delight thank to you. speak to you both. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank no you.